Good afternoon, basketball fans, and welcome to another episode of Sports Talk with Braggs. Here's Season 3, Episode 23, and today on the phone we have broadcaster Tim Brando. Uh, Tim, how are you doing today? I'm great, Mark. It's good to be with you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Sure, no problem. And hey, let's uh, start at the beginning. I mean, here we are at the at the end of March, so just uh, just talk about your experience here with uh, broadcasting basketball there through Raycom, through the ACC, and then also your involvement here with CBS, and then now here recently with Fox Sports. It's been great, uh, it's, and it's a good thing I had those experiences because this is my only skill set, Mark. There's nothing else I know how to do. So <laughs> it's a good thing that uh, I've been able to convince some people to allow me to continue to do it. It was, um, uh, you know, I'm coming up on 40 years on national TV in 2025. Uh, 85 was my first year at ESPN. I worked for Raycom uh, and a few other syndicators that, that uh, have since left uh, the business yeah. uh, before going to ESPN. But, but Raycom, as you know, was the strongest and stayed in business all the way through 2019. I did a gazillion duke north carolina games for them did the acc tournaments for them both uh uh as far back as 1986 and 7 uh in fact one year i did uh both raycom and espn uh at the same location uh, in landover maryland so uh and in between i did some sec tournament work for them uh when i was uh doing college football as well as basketball in the time between my years at ESPN and, and CBS, I worked for Turner and I was doing the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Braves and the NBA playoffs and uh, a little inside the NBA. I was really working around the calendar back in those days. Right. And um, it was, it's been quite a journey. I tell people the journey's the best part. Uh, the 18 years, uh, the nine years at ESPN, the three at Turner, the 18 at CBS, I just completed my ninth year at Fox, and um, uh, I'm happy to report that you'll be seeing quite a bit more of me uh, for the next three years there. Oh, nice. and that's a wonderful thing uh, for me. So uh, I'm I'm very excited about the future, and uh, I look back only a little, only a little, but when I do, I see my goodness, I can't believe uh, all that that we've experienced, we being our family. Uh, through all those years and uh, there have been highs and lows along the way Uh, surviving our business is not always the easiest thing to accomplish but I do think that uh, the job itself uh, has always brought brought pure joy to me and uh, I I don't see myself not doing it uh, anytime in the foreseeable future I I believe some of my best work is still out there and uh and that comes really, I think, with the fact that uh, for so many years, I I doubled both as a studio anchor as well as a play-by-play broadcaster. And only when I got to Fox uh, back in 2014 uh, and started there, uh, only when I got there did I become exclusively a play-by-play guy. Right. Right. Uh, I did a lot of play-by-play, obviously, right. in all the years that preceded Fox. But I was also doing as much, if not more, studio work. And uh, as much visibility as that gave me, and it was good for my career, 
at a certain point, uh, I tell people all the time, no one ever takes a look at a classic game and replays the halftime show as well. You know, they kind of <laughs> skip past that, you know? So, so uh, I, I, unless you see an old classic SEC football game and Byrne is throwing it back to Timmy B and you don't know who that is, uh, you're not going to, you're never going to see me. You might hear me from time to time updating a game that is no longer of any consequence to the viewer. But, um, I wanted to be part of the classics and to be yeah. part of those memories that um, that uh, sports fans will have forever. And to do that, uh, you got to be at the game. And then that's really why I got into business. As a child growing up, that's what I wanted to do. It just so happened that I was, uh, uh, you know, gifted in the studio as well. And and that that was a wonderful thing. I, I tell young broadcasters all the time. If you're a five-tool talent, uh, meaning you can do a lot of different things for your employer, you're more apt to hang around longer and maybe, uh, you know, entice some others to be interested in your work if if your current employer isn't uh, anymore. So it, it served me well to be able to do a lot of things and to be equally adept in the studio as well as in the in the booth or courtside at a basketball game. But right now, this is really the first time in my career that uh it's all been about live remote television you know live games at the games uh and that's all i really do Uh, there i was always wearing multiple hats it seemed through my years leading up to fox and this is the one time where i've really been able to concentrate on doing and i think that's one of the reasons why i'm still so energetic and enthusiastic about uh, calling games is because I, I feel like I probably should have been doing it exclusively uh, for a lot more years than I actually have done it. Right. And there with Raycom, I mean, with me personally living in ACC country, I mean, let, let's highlight, you know, some of your partners there was the G-Man, Mike Jemensky, mm-hmm. and then also uh, the late Billy Packer. Yeah. Uh, let's see, we could also throw a little Dan Bonner in there, yes. Disco Dan. Right. Uh, uh, I worked a good bit with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and towards the end of uh, my stuff, I, I got to work with some younger guys that I covered as players, like Corey Alexander, who's right. done a lot of work for ESPN now, and mm-hmm. uh, Jason Capel, Jeff's right. brother, who's yeah. now assisting him at Pitt, right. uh, did a few games with me. Uh you know, it's 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 fun to be able to sort of run the gamut. But uh, you mentioned Billy. The first game I ever did with Billy actually was on CBS. I was replacing Jim Nance on a game that, that was going on while they were in um, Nagano uh, for the Olympics. And I got to work with the entire number one team uh, that, that did college basketball. Bob Dekas was producing uh, the great legendary Bob Fishman. He recently retired just this past year with directing and Billy mm-hmm. in the game at Illinois. And uh, I'll never forget that. And it went really, really well. And he had seen a lot of me through the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, that was the first time we actually worked together. Well, shortly thereafter, uh, I started doing even more games in the ACC as I pulled away from the SEC. And <laughs> and uh, those Duke Carolina games yeah. – uh, were just incredible. Some of the, you know, the first game of the 
of the rivalry always in uh, early February, usually right after the Super Bowl, like the yeah. first weeknight after the Super Bowl. Uh, Raycom uh, retained the rights uh, to those games. People had no idea. They, they saw all these promos on ESPN. But the people in the Tobacco Road area, as you know, <laughs> right. were watching games on CBS and NBC and ABC affiliates. They, they weren't watching ESPN. They were watching uh, Raycom Sports, Jefferson Pilot. And I did all those games with Billy until Billy uh, uh, retired, which mm. was in 2008. Well, that left, you know, another 11 years that I, I did the games. And uh, if the game was at North Carolina, I'd get Bonner. If the game right. was at Duke, I'd get G-Man. Mm-hmm. And, and um, after I'd worked with Al McGuire in the 98 NCAA tournament, which was also a right. tremendous thrill for me, I mean, a tremendous thrill, mm-hmm. I, had, um, I had a blast uh, working with Billy uh, all those years. I felt like I learned a lot from him. Uh, and then we worked a little bit more from time to time uh, at CBS, too. Uh, but the G-Man became my my uh, partner uh, after nine seasons uh, of doing the NCAAs for CBS. I had had nine partners. It was like whoever I worked with uh, either was going to die, quit, or or <laughs> either die or retire, right. or, or or be moved up to work with Dick Enberg and, or or Vern Lindquist. Right. Okay, so you were either moving up or moving down if you were working with me. And uh, Mike Jaminski showed up, uh, uh, and we were together the last nine years of my my time at, at CBS. He was the only one that stuck, right. uh, and he joined me in 2004, okay. and we had a blast together. And it was at that time, and this is going to really bring back some memories for you as an ACC guy, yeah. uh, Fox little precursor to what would happen, I guess, 10 years later for me. Right. Fox did not have an FS1, but they right. did have all these regional networks. Right. And yeah. the Fox Sports regional networks decided to carry an ACC game of the week on Sunday Same nights. Night. Yep. And, and that was just a humongous package for basketball junkies. Right. And in the early days of that package, there were great games being played. So, uh, you know, getting a North Carolina in 2005 when they mm-hmm. had that great team uh, and had so much talent uh, inside and out. Same was true with Duke, of course, with Coach K in, the, in his prime. Uh, we had some unbelievable games on ACC Sunday Night Hoops. Yes, I remember. I remember one year we were in uh, DC. Uh, Mike and I had to do a Georgetown Syracuse game. Great rivalry. Mm-hmm. Just a huge rivalry game. Yeah. And it was at noon on CBS. And uh, it went down to the wire as a buzzer beater at the end of the game. We got in our car. Uh, we drove down uh, just a little further, not far, about a 30-minute drive yeah. uh, to College Park. Right. And we had Maryland and North Carolina in an epic game on ACC Sunday Night Hoops. Oh, oh. And and uh, I told... I told um, Mike, I said, uh, you'll you'll not have two better games to do, right. you know, back to back on two different networks on a Saturday and a Sunday. Right. Uh, and, and he was right. Uh, I was, you know, he, he was like, "Oh, Brando, you're right." And, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, right after we did Duke Carolina the very next year, yeah. uh, we had the, the like two days later, 
we were assigned to go to Kansas to do the Jayhawks and the Longhorns on senior day. Wow. Uh, and, and that's, you know, you go from Cameron Indoor Stadium <laughs> to Fog Allen within 48 hours of each other. Now, that's memorable. Right. You know, that that is memorable. And, and when you're working for two different entities, you know, those things can happen to you. You know, yeah. I I don't do as many games as I once did during the basketball season. I guess uh, given how long I've been at it, I probably shouldn't be. But in those days, you could take the schedules from Raycom Sports, the schedules from CBS and, and Fox Sports Net, the, uh, the Fox Sports regionals. Right. And I was doing somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 – uh, to 45 basketball games. That's a lot of basketball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of basketball and you know, for three different entities. I'm sure people right. were saying, all right, Brando, who do you really want? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, the other thing is that, and I've seen here with it being 25 years ago and the 98 Midwest, uh, you know, uh, regional that you and Al McGuire, you know, uh, did together there with, uh, CBS there during the tournament, you know, but there's another um, icon, you know, that, uh, you know, um, sorry that that he passed, but not only coaching, but then when he moved into the broadcast booth, I mean, what a what a legendary guy to work basketball games with. He was uh, basketball's first and only uh, original flower child. He, he, He marched to the beat of his own drum. He was an American original. He he talked more about life than he did about basketball, and that is if you were just with him for a few weeks. And I was I was with him for about six straight weeks right. that year. And he had uh, gotten up in years at that point, but I think he got a shot of adrenaline when we worked together. I genuinely believe that we had a marvelous time together. And uh, I remember calling Dick Enberg, who was an idol of mine the late Dick Enberg, and, and that's one of the reasons I was so thrilled to get to work with him, is understand this, Mark. I, I started my national career on January 5th, 1985, doing a Duke-Virginia game wow. uh, in Charlottesville yeah. with, Dickie, with Dickie V. I mean, my first game to call on national television <laughs> yeah. was with Dick Vitale. Right. So you fast forward through uh, to 98, uh, that year that I worked with Al in the tournament, but I also worked with Billy for the first time. Right. Uh, Billy Packer. So yeah. that's the holy trinity of college basketball analysts right. to have started with Vital and then worked with both Al McGuire and Billy Packer, who, along with Inberg, were the uh, the number one all time uh, three man team in the booth for any sport at any time, in my opinion. And in college basketball, they were it, right. you know, in the 70s and in the early 80s until CBS got the tournament away and separated them with Billy going to CBS and, and then Inberg and, and Al worked you know, together on college hoops uh, for another seven or eight years or more uh, at NBC. But to say that I had worked with all three of those guys yeah. and then you add Raftery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah Fox. Bill, 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 and, Bill and I worked at ESPN. In well, oh, that's right. My first, my first big East game, uh, was Villanova St. John's in the mm. year that they both went to the Final Four with Georgetown. Yeah, I mean, how lucky right. was I? So it, it, there's really not uh, uh, a legendary 
college basketball analyst that I've never worked with. Right. I've worked with all of them. Right. And to be a generation younger than some of those guys, and I was, I was, uh, Billy was, you know, he was 15 years older than me. Al was about 20 years older than me. Um, Rath is, let's see, uh, 12 to 13 years yeah. older than me. He's 79 now. Wow. So to, to have worked with all those guys and been, you know, at least 12 to 20 years younger than these icons uh, was just uh, tremendous. The, the amount of uh, basketball and life that I was able to learn from all of them, but particularly Al, because he had such a unique uh, view of life. And uh, everything he said was an original statement because unlike those guys, uh, he was, he wasn't conventional. You know, he, he didn't watch a lot of tape of teams <laughs> and he didn't do the kind of homework that they did. Right. Uh, he, he would, he would grab the basketball manager, yeah. uh, one of those schools and go up in the, into the stands and start asking questions about, uh, you know, these, these, uh, habits that maybe some of the players might have, right. <laughs> you know, the players at the free throw line and he bounces it twice. Then he makes the side of the cross and he bounces it one more time before he shoots that kind of stuff. Right. And, and so nobody else had that kind of information. But I, I remember calling uh, Dick Inberg when I got paired with Al because I was thrilled, but at the same time concerned because uh, he was so unique and so different. And I wanted to handle him properly. I wanted to do the best I could to make it as easy for him as Inberg did. So I called Dick up and I said, uh, I said, look, Dick, and I had gotten close enough to him working some tennis at CBS. Uh, we had spent some time together at hotels and at seminars. I said, Dick, you got to help me. I've never worked with Al. I can't wait to do it. I'm, uh, uh, I'm salivating at, at the thought of actually going on the air with him, but I need your help. Uh, what would your first recommendations be for me to make it as easy for him as it was easy for him with you? And he said, he said, Tim, the thing you got to remember is it's, it's Al McGuire's world. <laughs> and for a brief and for a brief time, you are a special guest. You just need to get in your first class seat at midcourt and enjoy the ride. And he said, "That's all you need to know." And uh, uh, he said, "You'll be you'll be perfect with Al because you know the names. He doesn't. Yeah. He'll have nicknames for all of them. People will know who he's talking about, but he'll barely remember. You'll you'll be lucky if he remembers two last names of any of the starting five." Right. And because he he's a mighty might, right. he's an aircraft carrier. He's yeah. this, he's that. But people knew. But uh, you know, tying up the loose ends is kind of what the play-by-play guy does anyway. And with Al, you were going to have a few more loose ends than you would with with some of those other guys that are also legendary. Right. Right. And and here recently, here with Fox Sports, and we'll and we'll stay with college basketball here since we're. Here, since we're in the midst of uh, the madness, but you know, Fox Sports covers the Big East tournament. You're there at MSG, you know, and your other partner here is, uh, you know, Jim Jackson, who was a who was a great player himself. But just talk about covering the Big East tournament there in the mecca of 
sports there, MSG. Yeah, well, after you've done championship games for the SEC and the ACC tournaments, yeah. you know, and then gone on to do the NCAAs, yeah. uh, when I left CBS, I, you know, a lot of people ask this question, and it happens even to this day. Uh, I've even had producers of radio shows, Mark, uh, come on before I go on with the on-air talent and ask me where I'm going to be this weekend when I haven't done the NCAA since 2013. <laughs> People, some of them still think I'm working there. Right. But I will I will tell you that we get a little spoiled after a lot of time doing the tournament, especially if you get to work the second weekend of the NCAAs yeah. so and you're punching a ticket to the Final Four. Mm. But you get a little spoiled after you've done that, and I did with Al, and Right after that, CBS got uh, the NFL back, which meant Bern Lundquist was coming back. And it meant Dick Inberg was going to be hired from NBC. And so uh, I lost that weekend, but not because I'd not done a good job. I I felt I'd done a great job. And and they said pretty much the same thing. But these guys are legends. And so uh, we got an overabundance of talent. And so I went back to just working the first weekend. Now, I think... A few times I worked the Division Two National Championship yeah. uh, with Dan Bonner, but that's not the same as being at a regional final. It's not even yeah. close. So you get a little spoiled, and and uh, but I'm but I mean the bottom line is I always felt like I wanted to finish on a high note, and if you were doing a conference championship, and I did with the ACC, and I did with the SEC, then. You know, if, if the last game you're doing has confetti coming out of the sky, yeah. that's a pretty good feeling. Well, when I left and went to Fox, the first couple of years, we still had the ACC tournament. So those guys would be over at the Garden, and I might be in Greensboro, or I might be in uh, in uh, a couple of times Brooklyn, you yeah. know, just across the Water. just across the bridge in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, and um, I would go over to see those guys after I did my games in the quarterfinals and semis. Yeah. Just to say hello to my teammates, you know. Right. And I, I thought to myself, my God, this is, and you know, the ACC is the most uh, tradition-rich tournament, and it's got big-name schools, blue blood after blue blood, but it's not rocking like this place is rocking, you know. Yeah. I mean, Madison Square Garden is something else. And I couldn't go over there, obviously, for the championship or even the semifinals, right. but I did go over for quarterfinal games. And even then, I felt like, my God, this place is packed. Right. And people are going nuts. There is something about the garden. There is an aura that comes with it. I don't know why the Big East wanted to protect it so so much. <laughs> but, but, but you're right. You know, they, uh, when, when the uh, ACC tournament for Raycom Sports came to an end in 2019, uh, my bosses at Fox said, hey, we want you and we want you to, to come in and, and do the games that Gus does not do. Uh-huh. Uh, Gus Johnson yeah. going to do the championship in the semis, but, but we need we need you. Uh, to, I was like, oh my god, please! I, yeah. I I would hate not to be able to do a postseason tournament of any kind. But I didn't expect much because I was doing first round games and the first two quarterfinal games, thinking, well, at least I'm finishing at the Big East tournament at the Mecca. And I'll hand off to Gus, and then I'll I'll watch him maybe work the uh, uh, the nighttime quarterfinals, and I'll I'll fly home a little early, and I'll be fine. What I found out, Mark, was that I was going to be doing games that 
that were more important, getting bigger ratings, and and the crowds were just epic uh, compared even to you know the most traditional rich conference in America, which is the ACC, yeah. and uh, and it blew me away. The, the game this year we had uh, our second quarterfinal game between Providence and UConn right. was an absolute unbelievable game crowd was buzzing like it was you would have, i thought for a moment all right you know is willis reed coming out here <laughs> i mean it was, it, you had that kind of feeling uh like it was the seventh game of the nba finals or something wow. uh but but it was a perfect uh quarterfinal matchup because providence had had a really good year surprised a lot of people they are in new england you know, since you kind of gone to the American Conference, they were sort of the pride of New England team yeah. up in Rhode Island. They're only an hour and 15 minutes away from the uh, Storrs campus at Gamble Pavilion where the Huskies play. And so they had not played in the tournament, uh, in the Big East tournament, for a long, long time. Uh, because UConn is new to the Big East, as you know. Right. So the fan bases were both just revved up. And uh, in the game, UConn got a big lead, but Providence made this unbelievable comeback at a 26-5 to run late, cut it to five on two occasions with about two minutes left. And I turned to Jimmy and I said, you know, Jim, I, I, I've, I've done championships in all these other conferences. It's not close to this, and so we're in the quarterfinals. Right. <laughs> He's like, hey, man, that's the Big East. Right. You know, Jim said to me, and I didn't know this, but, he almost went to school at Syracuse oh. because he wanted to. He, he, he dreamed of being in the Big East right. because of when he was coming up. And I called his games. The last time uh, I called a Jimmy Jackson game was his last year at Ohio State. Wow. They beat the Fab Five at home at St. John Arena in Columbus. Wow. Uh, the great Larry Conley of SEC yeah. fame and I yeah. uh, did that game. And uh, that was in 92. Yeah. And. And so that's been 31 years. So I'm working with a guy uh, that I called his games 30 years ago. And, you know, the other guy that I work with that's not named Bill Raftery uh, a lot is Donnie Marshall. And Donnie played at UConn uh, during those great years with Calhoun, 2003, 4. You know, know, he's playing with Allen and, you know, all those great – Donnie O. Marshall, all those guys. Ray Allen remains with – We'll be in the middle of a game, and Ray Allen is texting Don. <laughs> right, yeah. Sounding, sounding good, bro. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, it's it's just wild. And uh, when I worked with Raft, yeah, uh, you know, Bill Bill was coaching in '79 when the Big East was was formed, but by 1982, uh, Dave Gavin had actually come to Bill and said and said to him. Hey, Bill, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to work for you at C. Paul. Why don't you come over here with us and do TV? And that, oh. That's how he got into television. And, of course, Biggie struck that deal with ESPN right. uh, in 1983, I think it was. And uh, two years later, uh, I'm, I'm working with Bill and, and Dick Vitale, and Bill especially on Biggie's basketball games. And so my understanding of the rich history of the league as it would be with all the leagues, you know, the SEC, ACC, you name it. I've been around that long, and I know I was there, you yeah. know, when Louie and Roy right. were going at it. So 
it's almost like back to the future <laughs> in, a, in a lot of ways. But the, the, the difference in this Big East versus that Big East is really no different than any other league in the 80s and a league now. Right. Things have changed. Uh, the the uh, landscape is different. Uh, college basketball has been through a lot. It's going to be going through a lot more. But the one thing that's unchanged is that when you get to the postseason, and especially in a league like the Big East, where it's nothing but basketball, all the time. Yeah. Uh, this is it. There are no football uh, schools here, right. uh, with the exception of UConn, and they're an independent. Right. The bottom line is this is what their fan bases live for, and you're going to get uh, you know, an epic atmosphere for every game, and that it doesn't matter which day you're, you're calling the game. You can be doing a game on Thursday afternoon, and it sounds just as awesome as it does on Saturday night for the title game. Yes, and and uh, Tim, uh, definitely appreciate your time for coming on. And I just want to wrap up, you know, 2011, you know, was the first time that um, the Final Four was there in Houston. I bought a I bought a travel coffee mug there when I watched ODU and Butler, you know, there in D.C. And Butler was on the mag- magical run, but. Here we yeah, are. G-Man and I were there for that. Right. Yes, that's yeah, right. That's, that's right. It was a it was a buzzer beater there that uh, Butler beat Old Dominion and then beat Pitt. But yeah. you know, here do, we do you, okay. do you happen to remember my line? Um, I hate to interrupt you, but you're no, you ever, well, you were at the game because yes. you didn't DVR it, huh? You didn't no. Uh, well, we, we, the kid Howard tipped it in. Yes. Off the Side both right. times, right? In both games, yeah. and at the end of both games, my line was, and I'm reminded of this every time I go to Hinkle Field House. Right? Uh, I said the Butler did right. it again. Yes, uh, that was my right. that was my signature line. <laughs> and every time I go there, uh, Matt Howard, right, uh, it still goes to their games. Is it? Mr. B, wow. the Butler did it again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. Oh, oh no, you're good. Yeah, that's that's great. But, you know, here we are, 2023 Final Four. One side of the bracket has FAU and San Diego yeah. State. And the other side of the bracket has Danny Hurley and UConn versus Jim Laranega and the U. You know, what a final Four back oh, in Houston. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's not unlike really uh, the Butler VCU semifinal. Right. You know, when you think about it. Right. Uh, still, still, those teams will be quote unquote in the undercard. Yeah. Right before the right. main event comes out with UConn and yeah. Miami. Right. And, and I'm going to tell you, I think the teams that wins the undercard game, yeah. Uh, whether whether it's FAU or, or San Diego State. You know, once once those two teams, UConn and Miami, get through with one another, yeah. it'll be hard to come back and duplicate <laughs> uh, that performance that, that it took to win that game for either one of those teams. I think it's the advantage to the to the smaller school. I really do. I think the the Conference USA and Mountain West schools have a great opportunity here to to pull off the unthinkable and win the whole thing. Yeah. Yes, and and for Florida Atlantic. I mean, they're about ready, you know, I think July 1st, they're leaving the Conference USA. But, boy, what a season they've had. 
Yeah, and by the way, if the Pac-12 commissioner is not on the phone to uh, sew up San Diego State, I don't know what he's doing right. or thinking. You know, right. I'd hurry up and get those guys into my league if I were uh, George Kliadkov. Right. Yes, well, you know, and what a tournament. I mean, FDU becoming the second 16th seed, you know, to knock off a one seed. And, you know, Florida Atlantic gets a buzzer. Uh, well, it takes the lead with two seconds left there to beat Penny Hardaway. And even San Diego State and Creighton. You know, that went down to the wire. really did, and um, I thought it was unfortunate the way the game had to end. But in either case, uh, you were going to be happy for, again, whoever won that game was going to go to their first Final Four. So right. it's always exciting. I tell this to people all the time, Mark, and yeah. I'll close by saying this to you. I, I, yeah. I, I No matter who's playing in the Final Four, I want to be there. Right. I have not missed one. Uh the last one I missed, obviously, because of COVID in 21, right. when no one got to go that wasn't carrying a CBS press pass right. or a Turner press pass. But since 1981, when I went to my first in Philadelphia covering LSU, I have not missed more than four mm. since 1981, Final Fours. Right. It's, it, I don't care who's playing. I want to be there. And I, I do some work for the NABC and MC uh, a Champions Luncheon. Right. For the National Association of Basketball Coaches, that's yeah. sort of my ticket there. And okay. my wife comes with me most of the time. Right. Uh, we're going to be leaving on Thursday, and th- thankfully, I don't have to go to an airport terminal. Right. Houston's only a four-hour drive, so right. we're excited about going. And I can't wait uh, to sit about ten rows up yeah. uh, at the 50-yard line and right. and lap it up. I I really do love this event. You know, more than the teams involved. It's about the event you're watching, and it is special. Yes, yes. I I got to go in 2008 there when it was at when it was at Ford Ford Field there there in Detroit, and uh, mm-hmm. you know have have a great time in in Houston. I mean, and it's just like what we just talked about. 2011, the early game was Butler versus mm-hmm. VCU. Here, the early game is San Diego State, and um, and uh, FAU, but you know who knows? Maybe, maybe UConn. They won it in 2011 there in Houston. Maybe they'll cut down the nets come Monday. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Thanks for having me on, Mark. I enjoyed it. You appreciate. Uh, real quick, who who do you have? Uh, who do you think's gonna win it? Well, I'll give the kiss of death to UConn. Okay. My my first bracket was like an F paper in algebra. Right. My revised bracket, which I did after 16. I didn't get any one of the four right. <laughs> I actually had, I had K-State uh, getting there. Right. But the bottom line is um, any one of these four teams could win it. Yes. I don't think anyone is a runaway freight train, although UConn is the team people most identify with. They're the team that seems to be the hottest coming into the tournament. But my goodness, Miami, from a matchup standpoint, is going to be difficult for right. UConn to deal with. They're, they're guards have just been outstanding. Uh, I'll pick UConn, yeah. but my goodness, as I said, I, I think the winner of the uh, of the first game right. has a better chance than most people realize right. to win the whole thing, simply because of how competitive that Miami-Connecticut game might be. They, right. it, it, they'll have to give their all. Whoever wins that game will have played an unbelievable game and I think could be 
physically and mentally exhausted afterwards. Yes. Well, hey, Tim, thanks again for your time. And maybe uh, come the summer, you know, maybe we can uh, get uh, uh, Spencer to come on and talk some uh, college football. Yeah, why not? We'll give that a try. Thank All right. You, Mark. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. And so, all right, fans. So that was uh, Tim Brando here on today's episode.